You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now... Here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Oh, yeah! Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Hopefully, everybody has had a great weekend. I got the opportunity to spend a lot of time with family. I took a lot of pictures. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, I have a side gig Uh, on top of this podcast where I am also a photographer. I do some weddings. I do uh, a lot of portraits, that kind of stuff. But that's what I've been doing. Not a lot of deer hunting related stuff uh, in the last week. I did shoot my bow this morning quite a bit, uh, trying to get that narrowed down. I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between two sites right now. And, uh, I, I'm, I, I need to make a decision is what, I, uh, what I'm getting at with the, the Iowa opener being October 1st. I need to quit screwing around and uh, pick a site. And uh, I don't know what I'm either going to go with the HHA Kingpin. Uh, and that's the one I had planned on going with because of the yardage adjustment, the one pin yardage adjustment, because I was going out west. But... Last year, I used a React site from Trophy Ridge, and it's an awesome site. You know, it's uh, you basically set the 20 and you set the 30, and it sets the rest of them out, depending on what site you get, up to 60, I think. So I, uh, I need to stop screwing around and get a site picked out for my bow. Um, I've just been shooting at, you know, Oh, I think the longest shots I've taken so far this summer are at 40, which I doubt I ever take a 40-yard shot unless I'm sitting on a field edge because I don't even I don't even trim my shooting lanes that far. So uh, I need to do a little work on that end. But <laughs> you know, everybody right now is thinking about you know going out west or be getting prepared for the the whitetail seasons or getting those food plots in today's episode has nothing to do with the whitetails uh we go west but we go really far west and a lot of people when you know you say hawaii you think tropic you know tropical and you think uh you know sandy beautiful beaches and and jungle and all that stuff but today's three-time guest tom waters talks about a crazy experience he had uh, on the last time he went to Hawaii where it's basically this. Get out of a truck, let the dogs run through the woods uh, or through the jungle until they find a, a hog. They the, the dogs wrestle with it, bite it, grab it, and then you got to go up with a knife and stab it. So you are inches i mean you you have to basically kill this animal with your bare hands the only thing you have is a knife and tom waters today is going to walk us through that uh that that experience and after him telling me about that it it's something that i want to try to do it's like the most boiled down form of hunting there there is and uh 
a man and just a knife and it's like Rambo type shit. So uh, that's what today's podcast is about. But before we get into today's podcast, just a quick reminder, um, you know, this time of year, guys, we got to start thinking if we haven't already about what broadheads we're going to be using, whether that is a mechanical or a, a you know, just a, a straight basic broadhead, uh, a non-mechanical fixed blade. And Wasp Archery offers a ton of different options. Uh, this year, I will be using the, let me see here, the Boss 4-Blade, 100 grain inch. Um, it is a built, like a brick shit house type of broadhead. They are made in America, just like all of their broadheads. Um, they also have mechanicals as well. And uh, I tell you what. Uh, when I when I did use the jackhammers back in the day, I killed a lot of deer with jackhammer broadheads. So do me a favor. If you're in the market for some broadheads before this season starts, go to wasparchery.com and uh, take a look at the products they offer. And when you do decide to buy, enter the discount code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS, and you will receive 20% off of your purchase. That's a really good discount uh, on Broadhead. So go take a uh, take a look at that. Take advantage of that opportunity. Enough of the talk. Let's get into today's podcast with good friend Tom Waters. All right, on the phone with me, and this is kind of a big deal because Mr. Tom Waters, you are in the three timers club. This is the third time you've been on this podcast. How does that make you feel? Oh, very privileged. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to put it on your resume? And like, if you ever oh, yeah, for yeah. a different job? Absolutely. And I'll, and I'll be looking for the plaque in the mail too. So <laughs> It might just be a, bat, a pat on the back instead. <laughs> okay. So what's new, man? What do you what have you been doing since the last time uh, that we that you were on the podcast? A um, lot of uh, hunting related stuff as far as getting properties put together. Uh, I've got about four private places uh, that I get to hunt around here in Kentucky, and um, getting excited about the rut hunt. I've got a rut hunt on a with an outfitter in Illinois. Uh, there nice. was a um, a QDMA. Uh, banquet here in Louisville a couple of years ago, and I won a bid on a hunt with uh, Illinois uh, Whitetail Adventures, um, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's scheduled uh, right in the heart of the rut and some really good ground, and uh, they knocked down some some uh, horses there last year, so I'm really excited about that. Nice. That's awesome. Um, do you happen to know what county that's in? Uh, I know it's near Newton. I don't know okay. what county it's in. I would say from looking at the maps, I've been jonesing about it, looking at it really hard. I would say it's in south, in the mid-southern part of Illinois. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that should be a unique experience for you. Have you ever gone hunting with an outfitter before? Uh, only one time I was fortunate enough to draw a, a cow elk tag here in Kentucky and um, basically um, – hunted with him i was able to fill that tag in eastern kentucky three years ago uh and we we got on him uh, the second day so it wasn't this is a five-day scheduled hunt you know you can leave whenever yeah. you want obviously but uh, this will be my first uh whitetail uh experience with a with an outfitter and it, it's not something i plan to do a lot but it was a good cause and i got a decent deal on it and it's a great great area so i'm really jacked about it awesome yeah it sounds like fun um so Kentucky, right? Kentucky's yes, in the news in the news right now. Um, there is there was a, a I guess a, a big EHD outbreak that kind of that happened. Uh, is that anywhere near you? I'm actually in, outside of Louisville, uh, and from my understanding, that happened in the eastern part of the state. So it's not gotcha. super close. I would say probably about five hours away. Okay. All right. And uh, is that something that uh, uh, concerns you in your area, or is it like too far away? Or I mean, anytime there's a, probably an outbreak like that, and it's in the same state, it probably concerns you. But have you ever had any outbreaks like that in your neck of the woods? 
Uh, yeah, we had a pretty bad episode back in uh, 2012, I believe it was, uh, that hit um, our area in southern Indiana, which are all pretty close. I'm just right near the, the border um, between Indiana and Kentucky. So it really hit the herds bad. You know, They call it blue tongue around your EHG. Right. EHD right. rather same thing and uh yeah it was pretty bad but but to your point yeah we're we're concerned anytime we hear of it um no matter what part of the state is because you know people travel and um it, it's not good to hear of it anywhere yeah absolutely now on, on your uh Kentucky properties that you got uh you said you've been doing work on um are these are these are private pieces that you have permission to hunt or are they leases or what's the story there? Uh, they're all private, uh, privately owned. I don't have leases. I've got relationships with the people or uh, yep. I've been given permission and uh, none of them are very big. Uh, they're like, you know, 80 acres is the largest one, but uh, they all hold deer and um, just a lot of fun getting ready. Yeah, absolutely. You doing any food plot work? No, abs- uh, no food plots, but they're they're all uh, very close to um, you know just agriculture. We've either got corn or um, a lot of soybeans uh, this year in right. in or near most of them. So uh, that's something that I really don't have to worry about as much. I've kind of gone uh, to your podcast I was listening to yesterday. Uh, this beast mode, uh, getting on the hunting beast, and I've been able to find yeah. a lot of beds and. Um, really excited about that had trail cameras sitting over them and actually found some and uh, i'm going to try to to hunt in that way this year and see how that works out for me wow so you're going to be doing a lot of mobile hunting you think absolutely um i'm set up a lot like you are the lone wolf and the sticks and uh, spent some money with stealth mode to uh, i think it's stealth mode i can't remember that makes the stealth strips that's it right, right. and yeah. uh took them took uh, everything and put it together that way and um and planning on primarily hunting spots only once maybe twice um you know listening to you and everybody else and then just going back over my own uh experience and the successes that i have had it's it's pretty common it's like the first or second set and then after that you need to move because you're not going to see right. anything so i've kind of listened to you guys and uh, really looking forward to implementing the full running gun uh, across the board nice well I tell you what, that should be uh, that should be a, a different experience for you. Is that something that you've done in the past at all, or have you done a lot of preseason prep work, got your stands hung, and then just went to those stand locations? Exactly that that the latter. Um, okay. I've overhunted um, areas, you know, good areas, and you know, you go in and you see X number, and then the next time you see two thirds of X, and then it's dwindling down from that. So. Uh, you know, I'm kind of slow to learn, but hopefully I'll be slow to forget too. But at this right. point, I think that's really the, the right approach and that's the one I'm going to implement. And I'm fortunate that I have enough places to go where I can do that without, you know, not without missing a lot of time hunting. Right. Absolutely. Well, good luck to you, man. Uh, I always like to hear when, you know, people are, uh, are, are trying to take new steps you know, look at the uh, uh, the same problem, which is killing a deer or killing a um, a buck or whatever, um, but using a different approach to it. So I hope that works out for you. What, do you have a specific goal in mind as far as uh, a? Are you looking for three year olds, four year olds, five year olds? You know, what's your uh, what's your goal? Do you have Do you have a goal? Well, absolutely. You know, at different places, I have different goals based upon you know what's available there. Um, I would say across the board, um, I'm three and a half year old or up a couple of places. Uh, I have an opportunity from what I'm seeing, you know, they can all move tomorrow as they change patterns, but I've got one area that has a a four or five year old. I can't be sure, but he's four or five. So that's what I'm going to target there. Now, Kentucky's a one buck state. So, you know, whichever one of the best bucks on those areas that I've been able to locate when I see him is going to be the one that's going to go down. Um, especially given the other opportunities because I've got the Illinois uh, rut hunt to go. And then I also hunt Texas every year. I've got a friend down there that uh, he actually got me into bow hunting. That has a 150-acre place, and I go down there. So I'm going to have a lot of opportunities, and I'll be happy if I if I seize uh, at least one of them. Right. Well, I don't know, man. 
I'm pulling for you. I'm going to put some good vibes out in the universe, and hopefully you can pick them up. All right. Hey, I take every bit of help I can get. <laughs> Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> well, this now we're going to transition to something a little different. Um, you went to Hawaii, and you know when people think of Hawaii, they think of a nice, relaxing vacation on the beach, but that was wasn't really the case. So, what I want to do is I want to, I want to, I want you to open up, just kind of give us a brief overview of what this Hawaii trip was all about and why you decided to to do it. Okay. Um, you know, like a lot of people that's been, I'd never been before. And my wife and I, um, in previous work, uh, traveled quite a bit and we were able to rack up tons of, uh, miles. And one of our goals was with all these miles and kind of get us through all this road warrior mentality was, you know what, we're going to save these miles up and we're going to take a vacation to Maui. And over a number of years, we were able to get enough miles through travel and credit cards and stuff to actually make it happen. So right. our goal going over there was just like, like you said, 90% of the people were going to enjoy, you know, the beaches, the great weather, the sightseeing, and really just enjoy being over there. And, and, and we did. It was fantastic. Um, but to answer your question, we were out one day, and we went to Maui. That's the island that we chose. Um, and we stayed there. We were out running around, and there was a little taco truck in this area north of Lahana, uh, which is one of the nicer cities on the West Coast. And as we're there, we're waiting on our tacos. There's this pamphlet that's sitting there, and the pamphlet says, Lopaka's Outdoor Adventures. And I'm looking at it, waiting on our meal to come up, and it's like hog hunts. I'm like, huh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know they had a lot of hogs there. Yeah. And really, that didn't, that didn't interest me so much. Uh, I've shot hogs a million times down in Texas. It's not, you know, something more about getting rid of a pest than it is. This is the point of the hunt. Um, but what was cool about it that I didn't know going in was in Hawaii, the only way that you can hunt these things is the traditional way is with a spear or with a knife. Okay. And I'm going, okay, <laughs> let, let so, me learn so more they, about this. They don't let you use a, a crossbow or a bow or a gun? Correct. Correct. Wowzers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same reaction I had. I want to know a little bit more about this. Right. Okay. And, uh, so I get the I get the thing, and I'm looking at it and talking to the wife, and I'm like, man, this looks interesting. So we got to call him up. So the guy's name is Lopaka. Um, okay. and he's, um, a native Hawaiian and he's an outfitter there. And he does not only these hog hunts, but he also does uh, spear fishing, uh, excursions, things like that. He's very much an outdoorsman, grew up there, right. um, called him up, talked to him and he kind of started walking me through, uh, what the process would be and how they hunt them is they utilize dogs. And basically when I was a kid, my, one of my grandfathers, both my grandfathers hunted, but one of them was a big coon hunter. Uh, right. raccoons and they use dogs then too so i was like okay this sounds kind of neat and he explained it to me and he said well what the dogs will get on the get on them we'll track them we'll follow them and i said well what's this thing with the spear or the knife tell me how this thing works and yeah. he said well once they get a hold of them then somebody has to go in and kill it with a spear or knife and i guess the, the someone had to be me in this instance or whoever the hunter is right 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 so when I when I heard you say this, I went up on out on uh, uh, the, the internet, I guess YouTube, and I right started googling you know hog hunts with knife or whatever, and I've seen some crazy shit like you know <laughs> you know like hey the, the, okay so one group of dog and this was in the south so this wasn't Hawaii but one group of dogs basically just runs the runs the hog to death and get it gets it cornered then they send in like a big old pit bull right and it just grabs right. them and locks them down and uh so then and then a guy comes in and basically just with a big knife with a controlled stab just goes right in to the throat or to the uh vitals or wherever and then the thing starts to bleed out and so you know that that's an ideal type scenario but I also saw the videos where this big old uh, hog 
just like throwing dogs left and right and dogs were getting injured and the dog was, uh, or the hog was charging people. And one guy had a huge gash in his leg. And I just was like, Oh my God, I don't like that's, that seems cool, but I don't know if it's worth like a permanent injury to the body. (laughs) Well, I can tell you there's a a little bit of that in this story too. (laughs) Do you still have, do you still have both legs? Yes. I do have both legs. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) So when you started asking questions about this, you know, what, what did they fill you in? Did they, you know, obviously they use dogs and, um, there was going to be a knife involved or a spear involved. What, um, what, what else was involved well, the, with a hunt like this? Sure. Well, the terrain, um, you know, once you're out there if you and you see it, you know, people just think of, like you're saying, the beaches and everything. But the cool thing about Hawaii, to me anyway, unlike any other place that I've been, is that, yes, you have the beautiful beaches. Yes, you've got that tropical thing going. But there are just these humongous mountains and ravines right. and jungle. I mean, just flat-out jungle. And then before you get up to that area, they're, they're large flat areas. A lot, a lot of the old pineapple business isn't really done there anymore. They're growing in a lot of other places besides that. And they have right. these tons of pineapple fields that are just fallow, that aren't, that aren't being used. And right. uh, these hogs are invasive species the same way as they are here. And they're just going crazy over there. They're, they're running right. nuts. So they're very happy uh, you know, to let people get on. Uh, it's private ground but they're not doing anything with it. So they allow people to do it, but okay. you have to be, you have to be able to do a lot of different levels of, you know, hiking for lack of a better term. I and mean, you're moving. Right. Uh, I did this twice. So we called the guy and uh, set up the appointment to go, you know, meet him, met him uh, at the, uh, at a strip mall. It wasn't very far from where we were going to go hunt right there on the uh, base of the mountains between the mountains and the beach. And he has like five pit bulls. And they're pit bull mixes. I don't think they're all purebred or everything, but they're in the right. back of the back of his truck. And we're going up to the area. It's you know five thirty in the morning. It's dark. This is the first time that we went, and we went to areas that were steep. Now I'm fifty eight yeah. years old. I was fifty six then, but and I'm in decent shape. But I mean, we were moving up and down, uh, following these dogs for four hours on the first time I went a few years ago, and it was really dry. And they, they got on a hog one time, but we're going through basically jungles, going up and down these mountains. And the only time they got on anything, we heard them up on a ridge above us, and the dogs are chasing this, this hog. And Lopaka grabs me as we hear him up there and moves me behind a tree. Well, right after he did that, about three bowling ball-sized rocks are rolling down this hill <laughs> right oh, at us. Jesus. Yeah. It's a little different from deer hunting. You don't have to deal with that very much in the stand, right? Right, but absolutely. It, but it was crazy. It was crazy. And uh, unfortunately, that one got away. They didn't get on him. And we ended, you know, that day and, and didn't weren't successful. Um, and I thought, you know, that'd be the end of it. And it's like, well, you know, I had my chance. And it was fun. I got to see some beautiful, beautiful country that there's no way I would have seen that part of Hawaii on the regular vacation route. Right. Uh, so I was pleased with it. And he was a nice guy. Um, and you know, he said, we both said, Hey, if I ever come back, I'll do it again. And honestly, I thought that'd be the last time I'd ever, ever have the chance. Uh, but then a couple of years later, uh, in fact, this past January, uh, we were able to put together a trip, went back out there again. And I knew I was going to do it beforehand. I called him up. Uh, he also deer hunts his wife's from uh, Texas and we were exchanging stories about how our seasons had gone and everything. Just a really nice guy. Right. And, um, said, yeah, well, let's book it. Uh, we did, and the third day that I was there, after I got back, we went out. At that point, it was a lot better weather. It was a little bit of a mist, and he had his dogs in the back, and basically we're the same place we're heading out. It's about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, we get out. Um, we're wearing headlamps because it's dark, and we let these dogs go. And The interesting thing about the dogs versus what experiences I've had with hunting with dogs, like with coons, et cetera, coon dogs, rather, is that each one of them are going to wear a GPS collar because they're not like hounds. They don't update you during the hunt as far as what's going on. They don't bark. Right. The only time he said they'll make any noise is when they get on this hog. Right. 
Um, so, okay, well, this sounds cool. And he's got the handheld GPS thing and there's five or six, I think there's six dogs this time. And two of them are primarily trackers. And basically they'll work out 300, 400 yards to the right or left of you. And the other four are kind of, they're not really trackers, but they're more of the fighters. Not that the other two won't, but they don't really do much other than run back and forth between those dogs and where we are this whole time. Well, we, we found a track, so they're on it. We're moving, we're moving, and it's really beautiful. And the sun's coming up. You know, we take off our headlamps, and Lopaka says, hey, listen real close. And we hear the sound, and it's a really high-pitched sound. And I said, what the heck is that? And he says, there's a humpback whale singing. So you don't oh get that gosh. on a normal hunt. Yeah, because we're, we're above these cliffs that go down to the ocean, and it's just beautiful. And then off to our left, you can see a waterfall about you know, three-quarters of a mile, a mile away. Uh, just a surreal it's a lot like jurassic park in fact they filmed a lot of the jurassic park intro stuff in that part uh, of hawaii so if you That's can imagine crazy. what that looks like it's very similar so we're going along and the dogs are working and we're not getting on anything but it's just a beautiful morning and we probably hiked i don't know four miles and we're going to head back towards the truck probably go you know hit another spot and as we're going back we're looking around and you know, the two dogs are out there and he's showing me on the GPS where they are. And at 10 o'clock, as we're looking forward, we see a sapling move. And he said, that's our hog because they had jumped him and he'd run past this tree and bumped it. And immediately, man, you, these other four dogs that are around us, bam, they're off like a shot. Yeah. And there they go. So wait a All second. Is this, yep. is this your first or second hunt? This is the second one. I was unsuccessful the, the okay. first time right, and right. came back. Right. So now... They're off, and here they go. And Lapaka's moving a little faster. He's walking, you know, more briskly. Then he starts jogging, and I'm jogging to keep up with him. And then he hauls butt because we can hear that they're on him. I mean, it's it, to your point. You've seen these videos. Hell's right. a popping. I mean, it's yeah. going crazy. You can hear him going nuts. There's, there's, and he dives down. I'm it's sorry, all chaos, ahead. right? It's all chaos. Oh yeah. At that point. And it just sound. We haven't seen anything yet. We just know it's going down. We know they're on him. Right. And so he dives down to the right, and where we were while we're tracking is probably knee-high uh, to waist-high max, uh, just weeds and, you know, just natural vegetation. But on our right, there to our right, there's a steep drop, uh, and right. we don't know how steep because you can't see. It's literally jungle. Well, he yeah. dives down there and starts going down, and I'm trying like hell to keep up with him. He knows this area. I don't. Uh, I'm older than him and bigger than him and everything else, but I'm doing my best to keep up. And it's extremely steep, and you can't see more than four feet in front of you. I mean, he's, he could be a mile away from me or 20 feet, and I don't know any difference. But I, I'm trying my best to keep up with him. And he's hurrying because the longer that fight goes on, and especially if it's a good-sized hog, the, to your point earlier, it's a better chance those dogs can get hurt. And, you know, obviously right. he doesn't want that to happen. So he's hauling ass down there. I'm doing everything I can. It's extremely steep. Um, and as, as we're moving and I'm trying to keep up with him, I actually fall, and I fell flat on my back. Now, the, the good thing about that is, is with the incline, it wasn't falling like flat on a horizontal plane. It was more, right. you know, falling up against that. Right. And I get up. I'm like, check everything. I'm okay, I think, and I keep going. And I feel a stinging in my hand, and I look down at my hand, my right hand, and I've got about a nickel-sized hole between my oh. thumb and my forefinger. And it's clean, you know, there's no bones broken or anything. And I can see tendons in there. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Here I am at the, at, you know, at the, at the, at the right time of this thing. And I'm jacked up and I'm, I holler out at Lapaka. Hey, you got a, you got any first aid? And he hauls back ass to me. Um, he was, he wasn't very far. I thought he was, but he was real close. Reaches in the back of his pack, pulls out some gauze and some tape. And I mean, it's like a, it's like a pit stop at NASCAR. He's thrown this thing on. <laughs> And he's gone into the jungle. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It's funny you say that because I'm looking at the picture of you with this giant hog off the back of the tailgate, right? The picture you sent me. Right. And I see what looks like a a neon green cast. That's Uh, it. (laughs) So that's not a cast. That's a jerry-rigged – that's a jerry-rigged attempt at first aid on probably a pretty (laughs) severe cut. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, it, it was, it was, I was on adrenaline. If I, if I wasn't already on adrenaline, I am now, right? right? So I'm hauling butt trying to catch up with him. I'm going, you know, it's whatever it is, it can be dealt with later. We're going to kill this damn hog. 
So we haul through there. There's another drop, which is down to almost the road where we had, where we came in, not where we parked, but where we'd come in. And these dogs, I mean, you can't see anything but pit bull ass. Yeah. And a, and a, and a huge hog. They are all over his head. I mean, every one of them are right in there. They're on him. Lapaka has grabbed the, the back leg of the hog on the, his back right, right leg. And he's got it stretched out. And he's like, he says, get in there. And he, I brought a knife because I knew what we were doing. I had a nice 10 inch Bowie knife, but at this time I'm one handed. I'm down to my left hand. He's already got the knife out. I'm not worried about the, about the moment forever. I killed him with my own knife. I want to get this thing done before these dogs get hurt. Yeah. And stuck him four times, same place. You know, I stuck him the same way I thought I would if it was, you know, shooting a whitetail. I mean, right back behind the shoulder. And they fought probably, it seemed like another five minutes. And it was probably more like 30 seconds. Right. But after hitting him four times, uh, he finally is like letting the air out of a balloon. And he yeah. finally died. And he got the dogs off of him. Um, they, they did not want to settle down, man. Their blood was up. He, it was hard to pull those dogs off of that thing. So they're they trained, them off. so they're trained yeah. to what, pick up a hog scent and then just basically track it down and attack it, attack its head. Yeah, that's it. And, and the way they train them is really cool too, because he had a few of them there, the young ones that they basically just learned from being with the others. He'll right. bring them in and, you know, he'll try them out and he'll say, you know, if they make it, if they're, if they're, if they're, you know, gutty enough and, and, uh, and salty enough, they'll make it. And it's funny the way he explained it. Cause it's very similar to coon dogs because coon dogs do the same thing. You know, they'll, they'll attack the coon at the end as part of the coon hunt. Um, but these guys, I mean, they're tremendous athletes. I mean, these dogs are, I mean, just amazing, amazing to watch the stuff that they have to work through to get to them and then to have the, the guile and the strength and the ability to get on something that big. Um, the pocket said he weighed 275 pounds and I think he did too. Cause we had to put him in the back of that truck. <laughs> and that, that was no easy feat. And this is crazy. You know, like you often hear animals used to help benefit humans in a way. And these dogs, like just imagine if you, were like stuck on you're stranded and your only way to survive was to wrestle this animal and try to kill it barehanded like one-on-one barehanded right so right. so you know humans implement tools they they train other animals to work for them so these dogs literally have no fear to go up against an animal that you will see pictures of on the website and on the Facebook when I when I launch this of the giant tusks this thing has that could literally, if done right, gut one of these dogs. Absolutely. Um, and, and to your point, not only are they trained to do that, they love it. I mean, these dogs are working for that opportunity. Uh, and that's just a, a testament to what kind of athletes and the, and the courage that they have. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, they'll wear, um, he'll put armor on them, especially on the ones that are like the most, um, the most vicious that are the ones that usually get there first. It's like a coat and, uh, that helps protect them. But, um, you're absolutely right on the tusks. Uh, in fact, one of the dogs did get his lip ripped and I talked, I talked to Lopaka uh, after that. I said, how often do you have to get them stitched up? He said, he says, not as much as you'd think, but enough that it's a concern. And, you know, he said, that's why I was trying to get down there so fast. Cause when they're that big, uh, when the hog's that big, even with, you know, five or six dogs on them, uh, they're in danger, you know, I mean, especially yeah. the first couple of ones that get there. Right. My Lord. So I, I got to ask you, this this for you had to be like an adrenaline rush that, okay, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Sure. I, I was, and this is, a, this this story is about adrenaline. Right. So when I was, when I was younger, I think I was about 23, 22 or 23, I was standing outside of a bar with some friends and this car pulled up and this guy, uh, the, the passenger pulled a gun out and just like started flashing it in front of this bar. And you want to talk about an adrenaline dump? 
I yeah. thought I thought this guy was gonna like start shooting into into this crowd, right? And the the fun the funny story is this another drunk guy comes up and literally takes the gun away from him and starts beating his ass right in the car. Anyway, that's not about that's not about the, the story, but good for him. Yeah, and and the adrenaline rush though that I had when I saw that gun and he started pointing it into this crowd was. You know, you almost black out. You don't know what to do. You know, there's there's chaos. So, what was running through your head when you you step out? You know, you come into this area where you got four or five pit bulls just going crazy on a 275 pound hog. There's one guy holding one foot, and then he hands you a knife, and he's like, "Do it!" <laughs> what, I mean, like, what's going through? You sure, you weren't there. Point? Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, everything, any and everything. I mean, I am in levels of shock, in levels of action, in levels of pure adrenaline, in levels of, you know, I got to save these dogs. Yeah. You know that. Honestly, the, the the only thing that I remember that was, you know, as a, after about the second stroke was I got to save these dogs because they're yeah. they're fighting and whimpering at the same time, you know, because yeah. they can't hold him forever. And, yeah. you know, it's not like everything flew through your mind, but that was something like, I got to save these dogs. Because he had talked about how quick we need to get on them, you know, if we're lucky enough to get one, because you don't want the dogs to get hurt. So right. that was really where my head was. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I was, there wasn't a part of me that, I've never been more alive than I was in that moment. I can tell you that much. <laughs> that is nuts. So you step in, you stab this, this hog four times, and then, you know, what as you watch this animal expire i mean i have a this is just me did it take you a while to like come down off that rush or was it something that you know like after you go on a jog you just kind of walk it off and and you're over it but i mean just like being that close to an animal taking its life with your bare hands basically and and like that that had to be a pretty a pretty crazy feeling as well it really was, and I don't think I really came down off of it for a day uh, completely because what's different about this, and when you were asking the question, I thought the place you were going to go is you know, how different people feel when they take a whitetail or when they take another yeah. animal, um, and, I, and I get that. You know, I get that, right. the, the mixed emotions, right? But right. there was something about this for me that, A, it's obviously much more – uh, visceral because you're right there doing it. But it was also because there was something at stake there with those dogs. You know, there, there was a, there was a battle going on. It wasn't like I was hunting something. Yes, it was a hunt, but at the point that the kill comes, there's something involved there other than you getting some, some hog meat and a trophy. You know, you, you're, you're intervening where something, including yourself or this guy could be hurt. You know, not to mention the dogs. So, I mean, it was very visceral. It was very, uh, it was about the most primal thing I've ever done. And I didn't, I thought it might be a little of that, but what I envisioned of it versus what it was, was about 10 times more. Right. So even with archery, right, even with bow hunting a whitetail, you're, you're, you have a, you're within a certain distance, right? Whether that's 10 yards or, you know, 25 yards or 50 yards, whatever Mm -hmm. with, you know, with a bow, but this, you could smell it. You could, you could like, you could hear it probably. And even that animal right there was like, fear does a lot to even animals. It will put it in, put humans and animals in positions where they take the last risks possible to win. So, and you're on a steep incline. So, or to, to survive basically. And this, this animal could have at any time done a backflip or rolled or done something unexpected. And then it's just like, did, did, did you have any type of fear running through your body at that point? I'm sure I did at some level, uh, but it wasn't conscious because it was just so fast. I mean, it, it had built to the point, you know how it is even in a hunt, right? In a regular hunt. You know, you're building, you're building, you're building, 
but this the, the the build and the climax to it was so intense and then the stakes were so much higher so i mean it sounds cheesy but there really wasn't time to be scared i mean what what was overriding yeah what was overriding was these dogs could get hurt this guy could get hurt i you know i could get hurt too but i mean they were already there they're doing everything for me i got to get in there and finish this off so no so nothing bad happens my lord so you know you hit it three times or four times it expires you're sitting there just like I have a feeling just like a, like, oh. you know, just, you, <laughs> you know saw I mean? how sweaty I was in the picture, yeah. man. I was, I was right. beat. <laughs> right. I was beat. So, so what happened? What happened after that? Did you have this feeling like, Ooh, I'm a man. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like beat your chest. Cause I swear that's what I would, that's what I would do. I mean, you, it's almost like, it's one of the most primitive methods of hunting there is. The only other way to beat that would be to do it by yourself with your bare yeah, hands, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I felt an extreme amount of pride. Um, I didn't, you know, do any primal yells or anything, or but I, I really had a sense of accomplishment and a sense that, you know, I'd been there. And that right. sounds cheesy, but I mean, yeah. it was just. It was very real. And it's about right. the most real thing I've ever been. And exhausted is not does not even do do it justice. I mean, the amount of physical exertion to get there and then at the end with all that adrenaline dumping and as well as having the, the hand, you know, jacked up and um, seeing what you know, what the dogs did and just the sounds. I mean, I wish I could record could have recorded the sound and to your point, the smells too. I mean, just yeah. the whole sensory thing as that went down. But it we sat there after we lifted the thing up and uh, got him in the uh, got him in the back of the truck. We sat there and then uh, probably another twenty minutes, just me catching my breath and coming down. Um, then Lopaka took me into town because uh, I needed to get the hand looked at. And it was nice of him. Uh, he took me into the the uh, dock in a box, a little emergency care unit, and went in there. And to, to your now here, here's where that part does come out about the yeah. I'm a man and all that stuff. Yeah. It's pretty cool walking in there and, you know, showing them your hole in your hand. How'd this happen? Oh, I killed a hog today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, oh, really? And they all go outside. And I mean, there's people outside looking at this monster in the back of the truck and taking yeah. pictures with it and the dogs and all that stuff. And that a, a few stitches, I think eight or nine, I don't know. It wasn't anything huge, but yeah. uh, got that taken care of. And then, uh, you know, it was nice too, because, you know, there's the, there's the meat and we're really, really excited about that um what we did is we took uh the tenderloins and the back straps and one of the hams and lapaka gave the rest of the meat to, to people around there and i'm sure he probably used some of it too but yeah. um people at, at our hotel they were nice enough to let us uh, put it in a, in a cooler and freeze it in their walk-in freezer and uh we we're able to take it home with us and um still got it in the freezer now we're planning a luau for next month Okay. Um, I'm going to smoke it and, uh, eat. I haven't heard good things about older hogs. So, you know, it's kind of roll the dice, how it's going to turn out, but I'm planning on right. smoking it. And, uh, we'll all have a bite of it if it's horrible and we'll eat it all if it's good. Well, man, I, I've heard, I've heard if you do it right, you can, you know, it can be, it can be pretty good, but, uh, yeah. but is this something that you would want to do again? You know, it's funny. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's not that I wouldn't want to. I would do it again in a heartbeat. But if we go back over there, I think what I might do instead is that is uh, he also does axis deer uh, oh, bow hunting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I might do that if I had to do one or the other. I'm big on, on a lot of things, trying them one time. Right. Uh, and since I succeeded, I... I can't imagine it having a more exciting hunt. I don't think I would want a more exciting hunt. So I think I may leave the uh, Hawaiian hog hunt in that. Uh, that may be the one for me. Right, man. That's crazy. Um, cause I know over, uh, over there, uh, the gearhead archery uh, has, uh, quite a few shooters, uh, from Hawaii. I'm not sure what Island, uh, but I met some mm -hmm. of them at the ATA show and they go out and they hunt, these feral goats and they hunt these hogs and yes. you know, some, some of the other um, animals that are living on those big cliffs right after, you know, right up to the ocean. 
yeah, the goats are everywhere. Uh, the crazy thing, too, chickens. It's just damnedest thing. There are wild chickens everywhere. I mean, if you lived in Hawaii and you you starved to death, man, you you don't know how to work. You're <laughs> you don't know how to work it <laughs> exactly because there's stuff everywhere over there. But yeah, that right. would be a. Uh, those goats are, are really cool. I've seen specials on those guys. Yeah. Um, but, sure. I mean, and it isn't that expensive either. I mean, everything's relative. But it was only, I think it was four hundred dollars. Um, which you know, it's a half day hunt. It's not a full day. But I would recommend anybody if uh, you know if they if they love to hunt and you've got the time while you're over there to do it because even if you know, I was pleased even when we didn't get one. Because the land that you're going to go through, the experience of working with those dogs, and just the opportunity to, to see parts of Hawaii that there's no other way you would see, um, is really just an experience in and of itself. Yeah. So your wife, she was with you on this, right? She was there on the trip. She didn't go on the hunt. Right. She, but but so this was kind of a multitask thing. Like, hey, if I want to, you know, I want to go on a hunting trip. Well, I want to go go to Hawaii. Well. This is like a perfect mixture of both, right? So you got to do yeah. what you wanted to do, and she got to do what she wanted to do. Oh yeah, perfect. It was it was fun, and I mean we did we did a lot of great things over there beyond this too. I mean the yeah. the whale watching, you know, get on one of those if you go, uh, get out on the boat and get up close and personal with those things is amazing in and of itself. So it was a thing where I could take a day. Uh, took a little bit longer. She wasn't real pleased that I had the. Uh, Six hundred dollars in uh, medical expenses on top of the four hundred. That was kind of <laughs> that, that was that was a point that was discussed later. Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, but overall, you know, I mean, it's a day that she can go shop or go do something that she'd want to do that she might rather do with me not bugging her. And uh, I was able to get this done, so it was just a it was fantastic. And she was really excited that that we were successful this time and uh, that it worked out great. And she she's extremely supportive. I'm I'm lucky to have her. She puts up with my uh, deer hunting addiction and everything else. So now, when complain. was this, this was last year, right? No, this was this year. Yeah. Oh, this, this year. This okay. year. Uh, yeah. It's actually, I said January actually was the end of February. End of I February. Think it was okay. March. Yeah. End of February or first part of March was the week we were there this time. So with like an adrenaline rush, like what you had, is that something that you're seeking again is to do something that random and that crazy I mean, because I see, I see people or I meet people quite a, quite a lot who they are always seeking that next cool thing, the rush, you know, and whether that's, you know, Hey, I want to kill a deer. Well, now I want to kill a deer spot and stock. Well, now I want to kill a deer or, you know, a, a moose, moose, or I want to kill right. a, uh, an elk at 10,000 feet or, well, screw it. Now I want to go to 15,000 feet and try to chase a, a goat um, or a sheep or something like that. And it just keeps escalating from there. What do you think it's going to be like this whitetail season, you know, next month when you're sitting in a tree stand and you're just sitting there waiting again and not like <laughs> running through the woods with a bowie knife? <laughs> You know, I think uh, there's a you know it's a little bit of both with me. Um, I love the chess match. I love the whole process of, with whitetails. So I, I don't look for that same payoff in the same way as I do in a situation like that. That's a more adventure driven type deal. But I would like to. I think I'll definitely. Um, I think I'll definitely bear hunt before it's over with with bow. I do everything with a bow, or in this case with a knife, I guess. But I love bow hunting. Um, so I'll probably do bear next, but I'm, I'm at a place in my life where things like that are hard to find that really just are unique and gut check kind of things. And I right. think we should seek those out. I think it's part of what keeps us alive, uh, gives us an edge and, um, gives us something to look forward to. And again, this one just kind of fell in my lap. I wasn't really looking for that. But right. I'm glad I did it, and I would suggest you know anybody that has a, a love of hunting in the outdoors, if they get the chance to do that over there, I, I would take advantage of it in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah, that that would definitely be something I'd like to try. Um, the uh, the the rush would be awesome, and then you know just a, a brand new experience would be something. I don't know. I just, when, when you sent me this picture and 
you told me you did it with a knife and not a and not a bow or a gun. I was like, holy shit. Well, plus, <laughs> plus this animal is literally taking up the entire tailgate of this truck. I mean, it is, you know, 275 pounds. That's like wrestling in a, a very giant grown man. Yeah, it is crazy how big he is. And they, uh, Lopaka was nice enough to part of the, uh, part of the, uh, process, uh, part of the service that he'll offer is he even mounted the tusks. I don't know if I sent you that picture. If I didn't, I'll, I'll send it to you tomorrow. Yeah, you're, you uh, got a it, Euro mount, kind of. Yeah, it does a Euro mount on Hawaiian wood, which he cuts and lacquers himself, and he does the whole thing and uh, ships it over to you after, you know, after he uh, completes the process. So it's just, uh, you know, between that and the uh, stitches in my hand, this is one I'll never forget. I can, I can tell you that. Right. Man, that's crazy. So do you, I mean, other than your Illinois hunt, do you have anything else, uh, that you're looking at doing? I mean, obviously you said maybe access deer in Hawaii if you ever go back, but anything else as far as, you know, uh, North America? Yeah, I think, um, you know, every year I, I draw for, for elk and I took a cow elk here, but I'd love to get a bull. Uh, the odds are just ridiculously low here in Kentucky, but I always thought I'm, one of the luckiest people I know. So if somebody's going to draw one, I can see it being me. Um, Is that a lottery? So I'd love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a straight lottery. And, uh, okay. for the archery cow tag, which is the one that people, um, are least likely to enter for you pay 10 bucks and they have a, a annual lottery. The odds on that are about one in 15. So I got that, uh, a few years ago, but the, for the, uh, bull tag, it's a, it's a lot higher odds. So, I would love to be able to hunt uh, a bull elk if it's not here. You know, I'm listening to a lot of the stuff for the Western guys. I know you're into the Western thing too, uh, like with Randy Newberg and the Gritty Bowman. And I'd love to do an over-the-counter uh, tag in Colorado or I think Idaho uh, has them as well. But probably the, the next thing on the list is bear. Uh, we have uh, bears here in Kentucky and then Ontario. I've had the opportunity to go up there and fish. Uh, and there's a guy that's a fish guide up there that also does bear. Um, so one of those two things are probably the next uh, unique animal on the on the list that I want to be able to, to harvest. That's cool. Do you have do you have like a dream a dream animal like uh, that that just kind of maybe is in your brain, but you know that it t- it's going to take a lot of planning to to accomplish. Yeah, I, I would say the top two, uh, and I'll probably never get to do them because the cost is just you know ridiculous. But I would love to be able to bow hunt uh, in Alaska for either moose or for grizzly bear or brown bear. I think that would be just the pinnacle of it uh, for me, um, because not only you know the ability to, to harvest something like that, but just the experience, you know, where you're going to be to hunt and everything. Right. That sounds like uh, that. Uh, Hunting hell and hunting anything in Alaska would be great. I, I, if I could get a, I hear caribou is probably the the most uh, readily available and the most uh, least expensive tag uh, for anything up there. So if I was ever right. able to hunt anything in Alaska, I would love that. Right, absolutely. Caribou is definitely on my bucket list. Caribou, moose, um, obviously a mule deer and elk right. still. And then if I can accomplish those in the next, let's say 10 years, then uh, maybe I'll move on to some, you know, sheep or some goats. But again, you're talking mucho dinero for that. Those, some right. of those hunts, uh, they don't, they don't just have a, a general tag for doll sheep. You know what I mean? It's going to take an outfitter. Yeah. It's going to take, you know, I can't just walk up into the mountains and, and go shoot you know, go shoot one of those things, especially with a bow. Um, right. But, but, you know, I think that's, that's what's so cool about hunting. I mean, it, it can definitely open the doors for just like raw adventure. Yeah. It's the unpredictability of it. I mean, that, right. and I think that's the part that, you know, not to go off on a different area, but I think that's a part that we have to really leverage in our quest going forward to maintain our ability to hunt, you know, Absolutely. The old numbers are 10% of us hunt, 10% of us hate it. And it's the other 80% that are going to determine the, our futures. And 
the more that we tell these stories and the more that we bring in something other than actually killing an animal, um, I think the more people are intrigued and the more people are supportive and we need more of that. I mean, we, we can't have enough of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's something that, you know, a lot, what I, what I'm going to do in the next, you know, 10 years is hopefully get out and, and accomplish some of that, uh, those adventures. And for anybody who's listening, man, I would hate to be the guy who has really been a diehard wanting to go and try something different. And then being in a point in your life where you're literally too old to do it. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put you in a position because of your age, but I do want to ask you a question right. as you are, you know, you're, you're getting close to 60. Do, yep. Does, as a hunter, does any of that ever cross your mind? Like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. I gotta, I gotta do what I want to do now. Oh, it crosses my mind constantly and, um, not in a negative way. I mean, it's right. a motivation, you know, it's a right. motivation to, to stay in shape and to work out and to, to seek these things out because somebody wrote the other day and I just absolutely loved it. And they talked about one of the main reasons that they, that they love to hunt. And they said, I want to fill my head with enough memories to last when I'm no longer able to do this stuff. Yeah. And man, that's, that's just poignant. And that's spot on for me because that is I mean, cool. there's literally, yeah, because there's literally times now, Dan, uh, you know, as I'm going to sleep, I'm thinking about hunting. And I just re- I'll rerun a hunt in my head, you know, whether it's this oh, elk yeah. hunt that I did, or maybe this right. pig hunt, or maybe a, a great buck that I was able to get. Um, I mean, those things they have a shelf life in our minds forever. So I want yeah. to pump myself full of every opportunity that I have of that, so that I can have those memories when I'm no longer can do this. Right, man, that makes awesome. That that's that's so true. That's so true. Uh, I always say, you know, life is about experiences and who you share those experiences with. I've always, I've always said that. And that's just kind of the same thing that you just said. That's so, that's so right. And I hope the listeners like take heed of that and, and are, you know, do stuff now. Don't, don't be, well, I should have done it or I wish I would have done it. Do it. Absolutely. You know, we don't, we don't think about the cars that we had when we were in our twenties or our thirties or forties or which clothes that we bought or, you know, what furniture we had for the house or whatever. And I'm not saying those things don't matter and they aren't important, but the things that are the juice of life are experiences and those are what we have to pursue. And I think those are the things that allow us to, to really enjoy life and be the interesting person that we want to be for our spouses and for our family and the, and the example of somebody that did something other than, you know, just try to hoard more stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Possessions don't mean shit. If you ask me. Nope. Um, yeah. They're so, trash. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they cost money, which, you know, prevents you from having experiences unless exactly. your experience, the experience that you love is to have possessions. So yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of empty man. in my book. Yeah. Yep. That's not me. Well, Mr. Tom Waters, it has been an absolute pleasure. I really do appreciate you coming on, sharing this story with us, something a little different. Hopefully uh, all the listeners out there uh, like what they heard today. I, I, I know I did. Well, thanks. I always enjoyed listening to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be on it with you and uh, look forward to hopefully do, having a story worth telling again. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Tom for coming on the podcast again and sharing this crazy ass story with us. Um, Definitely something I would be interested in doing someday in my life. Uh, I wonder if my wife would go with me. I doubt it. (laughs) Anyway, thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in to the podcast. If you haven't already, go to iTunes. Please leave a review. Um, Huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. Wasp Archery, Exodus Trail Cameras, Ripcord Arrow Rest, Deer Lab Hunting Software, Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Ozonics, Gearhead, Bose. I mean, come on. Go support those companies, guys. Come on. 
because they support me. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, and be sure to take uh, advantage of the discounts that I'm throwing your guys' way as well. Um, in some instances, you're not going to find discounts this steep anywhere else. So go take a advantage of those and other than that guys check me out on instagram check me out on twitter check me out on facebook a lot of crazy stuff going on there as well i post a lot of pictures of the bucks i'll be chasing and whatnot other than that i'm i'm geeked to when i can start you know having uh checking my trail cameras again probably the last weekend in august that's when i'll be making the shift of the trail cameras that i often talk about and uh, you know tying up all the loose ends because September hits number one I'm not going in the timber number two I'm having a kid and number three that's a bit that's it I don't I, I really don't have a number three but hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of your week take care and remember if you're gonna be in, in a tree wear your, your damn safety harness